Amen. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to walk through the last few verses of that chapter. It's going to take us a little while to get there this morning. Uh, if this is your first time at Porter, inside your notes, you can kind of follow along with my sermon uh, if you would like to. Uh, but we will get there and we'll walk straight through that text as we uh, do. But, uh, but, but, but I want to tell you, today we're going to tackle one of the most difficult subjects that I have to tackle uh, as a pastor. Uh, one of the most difficult things for me to preach on is giving. I get sick to my stomach when I, when I think about, you know, preaching on giving because I'm afraid you're going to think of me uh, like one of those big-haired people, you know, uh, that, and, and I'm afraid that you'll believe that, that, that all the church is after is your money. So, so usually... Uh, when I speak on topics related to giving, I, I start with some type of disclaimer. Hey, we don't talk much about money here at the church, and we don't. But, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll try to lessen the anxiety, and I'll remind you that, hey, nobody here knows what you give except for our business administrator, and that's true. You know, and, and, and then I'll try to, try to lump in giving with other principles so it doesn't dominate the day, and, and, and then I'll lay out, like the biblical perspective on giving and, and how you can participate. And, and then I'll, I'll try to make you laugh a lot and hope you come back next week. So that's usually how I approach the topic of, of giving. But today I, I want to approach it a little bit differently. Uh, today I want to tell you up front that my sermon is all about giving. And, and, and my goal is simple. I simply want you to be generous people. I want you as, as a person who's been redeemed, who can sing that I believe that nothing could, can save me except the blood of Jesus, and I believe that heaven is better than this life, and I believe that, 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 that being involved in God's plan is better than any plan that I can have. I want those of you who believe that to live like it. And I know if you're going to live like that, it has to translate into your generosity. You have to be generous with your life and generous with your resources. For the last few weeks, we've been in this series entitled, I Want to Be. And we've been focusing on Philippians chapter 4. And, and in this passage, Paul shares things that, that I want to characterize my life. You know, I, I, I want to be joyful. A couple weeks ago, we saw the passage that says, Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. That's who I want to be. I don't want to be miserable. I want to be filled with joy. I want my joy to be uh, infectious. I want to be content. Last week, we talked about how Paul said that no matter what he went through, he had learned the secret of being content, and that was found in his life centered around Jesus, and therefore, he was perfectly content. At the end of this passage in Philippians chapter 4, he talks about us being, being generous. Now, now, generosity is, is different than contentment and joy. Uh, contentment and joy are more of who you are, but generosity is connected to, to what you do. I think we're having some technical difficulties, so if you're a note taker, here you go. When I'm talking about generosity this morning, I'm talking about the habit of giving without expecting anything in return. Uh, uh, 
I, I give, and it doesn't matter if it comes back to me or not. I give because it's the right thing to do. Now, when we talk about generosity, we're, we're not always talking about money. It can involve offering your time. You know, maybe you read to first graders. You know, it, it could be sitting with a person in, in a nursing home. Uh, it, it could be giving your assets, letting someone borrow your truck, or opening your home up to your kids' ball team. It, it could be giving your talents to the Lord, building something to be used at church, or maybe you're a web designer and your friend's business needs some help, and you're just generous, and, and you say, hey, man, I know money's tight, but I'll just help you. Uh, generous. The word generous is an interesting word. It comes from the Latin word uh, that, that literally means to be open-handed. When you're a generous person, you, you're always giving. You don't hoard for yourself. You don't hide the last Snicker bar in the back of the refrigerator so that nobody else will find it. You know, that's not the way you act. You're different than that. And guys, being generous is a big deal. You see, a, a key component of discipleship is learning to give generously. Your pastor believes this. You will never become a healthy disciple until you learn to be open-handed. You, you, you will never learn to adequately follow Jesus unless you learn to give away like he gave away. Now, there are lessons of discipleship that we can only learn through giving. You know, it, it breaks the trust of things, and, and it helps a person deal with materialism. And you learn to depend on God instead of the influence of material things. And it's a big deal, and there's good news. We all have the potential to be generous. I, it's not a you have it or you don't have it type of thing. And I know there's some people who are saying, I'm just not wired that way. I can't be generous. No, you can be. Everybody is generous to someone or something. If you have kids, I bet that you're generous to them. You know, you, you pay for their school, you pay for their wedding, you'll pay for their activities. You sacrifice for your kids. We, we sacrifice for our ball team. I mean, we pay overpriced tickets on most weeks. We have overpriced clothing items. We all have it in us to be, to be generous. But then most of us have this resistance in some areas. I like to consider myself a fairly generous person. A few years ago, I got a, uh, uh, a new pickup truck. I was from western Kentucky, and that is like having a million dollars in your 401k. In fact, that's probably the reason most people down there didn't have a million dollars in their 401k, is they wanted that new truck. Well, I finally arrived. I was a deer hunter. I was a farm boy. I was a country pastor. I had to have a truck. But I had two kids, so I got a quad cab. I got a quad cab truck with a bed about that long on it, but I had a truck, and so I was a man. I'd had it for about a week and a half. It was brand new. Brand new. I was going to pay for it until Jesus came. But 
I loved it. I was proud in it. But I had a friend in our church who, they were incredibly good friends. Uh, they were a, a, an older couple, uh, just had retired. They were moving to a new home, and they needed a lawnmower, and their child down in North Carolina was going to give them a lawnmower. Well, they didn't have any way to get it. And I thought to myself, I'm going to offer something knowing they won't take me up on it. So I said, hey, would you like to use my truck? And I thought that was a pretty safe, you know, if you need me for anything, just call type of deal. And they said, that's a good idea, Pastor. My truck that had less than 500 miles on it was going to now make a trip over the Appalachian Mountains to the coast of North Carolina. And I could feel the tension in me. What are you doing? But I let them take it. But my generosity meter was not where it needed to be. How could I be gifted with such a thing and not be giving? How could I be loved by people like who the church that was loving me and not open my hands and be loving? But, but I was struggling. And the truth is, there's a lot of us who struggle to be open-handed. But here's the reality. Generosity is the hallmark of Christian faith. If, if you are a Christian generosity should ooze out of you. No one ever thinks of Ebenezer Scrooge or Mr. Potter as godly, but when a person gives or is generous, our mind immediately thinks, that's a believer. If I were to ask you, tell me about the best Christians you know. No matter what you told me about them, what their age, or where they live, or what role they have in the kingdom, I guarantee you, you will say they're a giver. They are a giver. So here's the question I have for you this morning before we dive into the text. Would anyone accuse you of being generous? Do people consider you open-handed. And guys, I want to tell you, we should be collecting canned goods, praise the Lord. We should be buying pork chop lunches for high school senior class trips. We should be giving toys for tots at Christmas. We should put money in the red buckets, and all of these are good. But today, I want to encourage you not to just have a generous spirit at Christmas time. I want you to be generous at all times for the gospel. There are a lot of people here who are thinking, man, I am generous for the gospel, and you may very well be, but I want to make sure you understand tithing and generosity are not the same thing. The Old Testament command to tithe is that every person should give one-tenth of their income uh, to, to the work of God. And I get this question all the time. I get the question, is, is tithing New Testament? If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 16 before we fit, get into Philippians 4. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. says, Now about the collection for the saints, 
you should do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set aside and save to the extent that he prospers so that no collections will, will need to be made when I come. I want to tell you something a lot of people don't understand. I can't teach tithing as law when it comes to New Testament teaching. I can't do it. Uh, but I can teach percentage giving because each one of you should set aside and save as you prosper. And you might be saying, well, Pastor, I don't prosper. You do prosper. We've already said that each one of us here have a Thanksgiving list that's really long. Each one of us prospers, and and we should give regularly. On the first day of the week, he says, we should set aside and save so that we could give. Here we're not taught specifically how much we should give, but we are taught that we should regularly give for the kingdom. And, And I'll just be honest with you, I can't imagine giving less to the work of the gospel which proclaims that Jesus died for my sins than Old Testament saints gave for the work of the temple. I I can't even imagine giving less than a tenth to the Lord. If, If they could give that simply for a hope, we give it for a fact that the Son of God came down to earth and died for our sins. We should give generously to the Lord. So before you go out and eat, and before you buy something new, And before you pay your bills, I believe you should give to the kingdom. Malachi 3.10 says that we should bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I thank those of you who tithe and give regularly to your church. Through your tithes, the budget is met. Through your tithes, we are able to operate as a church. Through your tithes, we are able to support our partners And I believe that regular giving is the responsibility of everyone who's a part of this church. It's your pastor's responsibility, and it's it's your responsibility. But if you've ever noticed in that passage in Malachi, that passage is set up this way. He says, will a man rob God? And they say, well, how do we rob you? Do you know what the answer to that is? By withholding your tithes and your offerings. The Bible says those who do not give regularly are robbing God. And I would hate for you to stand in that position. Regular giving is not generosity. Analogy is if you pay your taxes on April 15th, no one's going to accuse you of being generous. Giving the least amount to God that you think you can give away with is not generosity. So today, I ask you to go above and beyond for the gospel. I ask you to dig deeper, to use your resources for for kingdom purposes. And it may be giving more to your church. I I challenge you to continue to give to Forward Together. Here in a couple weeks, I think they told me this week that on December 6th, they're going to start doing interior demolition on our church. Some exterior work starting to go on now, but interior demolition is going to start so that we can see renovations. Many of you have sacrificed. Some of you have not sacrificed for the kingdom in that. I encourage you to sacrifice. But I'm not necessarily talking about giving to Forward Together today. In a couple weeks, I'm going to ask you to sacrificially give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I've asked you to sacrificially dig deep over and over again. But our missionaries are able to stay on the field because 
people in congregations like this all around the Southern Baptist Convention dig deep. Maybe it's to meet a benevolence need on a personal basis. Maybe it's to give to a ministry you're connected to. All I'm simply asking you today is to help out financially as the Lord has blessed you. Be generous for the gospel. All right, Philippians chapter 4. Are the notes going to come up? We don't know. Only the Lord knows. If you have your Bible, in Philippians chapter 4, Let's dive in. We left off last week with Paul saying those famous words in uh, Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you remember, the church at Philippi had renewed their support for Paul and they were giving to him again. And now Paul reminisces on their partnership. Verse 14, Still you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. And you Philippians... Know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Philippi was the first one to receive the gospel in Europe. I mean, imagine that. People who had never heard good news were the first ones to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they believed it so much they became partners. And they were Paul's sole financial supporters. He said, no one shared with me except for you. And they did this in the early days of the gospel. You see that in your text? uh, Church has always been to me. I can't even imagine a world without church. Can you? I mean, this is what your parents make you do on Sunday mornings when you want to sleep in. You know, you get up. This is what you do on your one day off. You come to church. It's what you're supposed to do. It's ingrained in our life. It is just a part of who we are. I love it. I love it because I love Jesus, and I love to come and talk to people about Jesus. And and I, I told somebody today, my favorite part of church is the 15 to 20 minutes before we get started in life group and the 15 to 20 minutes before we get to start in church because I get to spend that time in the fellowship of the saints talking and loving and enjoying one another. I love that. But here, they are in the early days of the gospel. The church was a startup. Some of you started businesses. You remember when you had that idea, man, we're going to get rich selling, you know, whatever. You know, we're going to, remember all the work you did in that startup? Remember getting your name out, setting up the point of contact with your customer? Uh, You know what the one problem all startups have? What's the one problem all startups have? Money. It's hard to get investors. You know, can you imagine, you know, years ago somebody was starting up Google and they said, you want to do what? That's dumb. (laughs) People in new startups have struggles. The new church at Philippi had heard the good news. They had received the good news. And they said, this good news is changing my life. And then Paul says, if it's changed you so much, would you give some extra money toward it? Can you imagine how that... This that they had never heard of before, they're being asked to sacrifice from their livelihood for. And they gave. Because the gospel is worthy of our generosity. 
point one today. The gospel is worthy of your generosity. As I get older, I'm gaining perspective. I love to deer hunt. But I've probably been more years than I'm going to go. Pretty good chance. I have good health. But I'm pretty sure there's going to come a time when I won't. I enjoy this life and my kids. But there will come a time when this life will end. And the gospel shares with us that there's a hope of a life that will never end, a place where it will never go old, a place where all heartaches and pain are gone. But the problem is that we're all completely sinful. And you can't get to this place without God doing something. And there's not a thing that you can do to get to that heaven. I, I stand at funeral home after funeral home, and I've never stood at a funeral home where the family said this person's in hell. And yet I knew there was a lot of people who were separated from God and they spent eternal, eternity separated from God because everyone here thinks we go to heaven because we're good or because we're nice or because we live in the United States or because we went to church a few times in our life, but not one person has ever, in, ever entered into heaven because they were good enough. Only through the working of Christ and his death for us on the cross are any of us made worthy. Jesus came and died so that we could be with God. And that's the message of the church. God has established the sharing of the gospel through the giving of believers. I read a couple years ago about a woman in New York City who had hundreds of millions of dollars. But she had no family and apparently had no friends. When she died, she left her entire estate to her dog. Now, granted, the dog probably did better with it than her kids would have done if she'd had them. But she, what a colossal waste. What a, a, a colossal waste. As Christians, our generosity should benefit the kingdom. Uh, I, I, I know some of you are into random acts of kindness, right? Uh, I, I want to tell you, be careful with that. It's awesome and it's nice and it's community good, but if it's easing your soul uh, for your charity gene and making you feel better because you pay for the Suburban behind you in McDonald's meal, you don't pay for the Suburban behind you. For McDonald's, you pay for the Kia Sorento that's gray with the little bald guy in it behind you. But <laughs> I'm kidding. Use your money and your generosity for things that last forever, not for things that are here today and gone tomorrow. If you want to be nice, be nice, but don't substitute being nice for giving for things that last forever. I think our notes are back up. I'm going to back up a couple slides here, maybe. Our notes are up, but my clicker's not up now. Reset me there, Lisa. <laughs> well, we're going to get one slide today. <laughs> I'm not going to back up. <laughs> Even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts. Uh, 
Paul is saying that the church at Philippi had renewed their support, and now even in Thessalonica they were sending gifts. I read, there you go, thank you. Now, go forward to the next slide. All right. I read this week in commentaries about what this means, and you know what I concluded? Nobody has any idea what this means. I read 20 commentaries. Nobody had a clue. Some people think that because Paul said that he didn't take a penny from the Thessalonians, that they were so poor that they couldn't support uh, Paul's work, and so he asked Philippi to help. That might be one reason. Some people think it was geopolitical. You know that he went to Thessalonica, and apparently there was some history between Philippi and Thessalonica, and he said, y'all even helped me when I was doing work in Thessalonica. Some people uh, thought it was just such a long distance away. It was about 100 miles away. And and in those days, that's a pretty good distance. And he said, you even helped me when I was way out there. The application for us, I think, regardless of what he means, is, is simple. We should be generous even when it doesn't directly benefit us. All people help when it benefits them. I pray we're different. I pray that we are uncommonly generous, that we give to mission work in Iran, that we give to campus ministries in Berea, that we do uh, help out in church plants in Springboro, that we do youth camps in Utah, that we help out uh, wherever there is need, and God gives us the opportunity. A second point is we all have legitimate needs. Uh, We all have see legitimate needs that need to be met. When and where the gospel is shared, there will be needs. Notice verse 16. In verse 16 he says, For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my need. Paul was in real need. And guys, there are real needs out there. Disaster relief has been hit incredibly hard with hurricanes and wildfires, and floodings. There's real needs. Uh, We have ministries here. We need materials for the food backpack ministry, and we need help for packing the pantry ministry. There are real needs here. Operation Christmas Child. We're sending the gospel through those Christmas gifts to children all over the world. There's needs. There's needs in school ministries here. Assurance Pregnancy Center in our community. They need our support. New Life Day Center, working with the homeless. They need our support and our generosity. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering. In just a couple weeks, we'll take this up. I ask you every year, and I'm going to ask you again, I ask you to dig deep. My wife and I were talking last night, how much is in our Christmas club account? How much are we going to spend on the kids? Do we have enough to spend at least that much on the Lottie Moon Christmas offering in there as well. We want to make sure that we're supporting uh, missions in that way. You see, when we give, somebody benefits. And not only that, they know we love them. After 9-11, my church at uh, Hopkinsville that I was serving felt led to send a gift to a random church up there, one of our Baptist works, just to help them out because they were having a difficult time. They wrote us back a few months later, and they said, thank you for the gift, but thank you more for your love. When you give, people know you love. 
Amy Carmichael said, you can always give without loving, but you can never love without giving. Point number three. There are times when our ability to be generous may be limited. Guys, I acknowledge this. When I, when I used to hear a sermon like this, I had incredible guilt. I wanted to give, but I didn't have means to give. This sermon is not intended to bring guilt on those who, who are, are underwater. I know some of you are living on 102% of your paycheck. Some of you have lost your job or have threats of losing your job right now. Others have two kids or three kids in college. Others are taking care of their elderly parents. Others are already giving sacrificially to many causes. I get that. Paul got that. Notice what he said in verse 10. We covered this last week. But he said, I know you, you, you didn't give to me for a while, and it wasn't because you didn't love me. You just lacked opportunity. There are times in your life that you lack opportunity. I get it. But we need to be careful that being stretched is, simp- is not simply an excuse for being selfish. Let me, let me repeat that. Sometimes Christians use being stretched as an excuse for being selfish. We've got to take one more vacation. We just don't have money to give to anybody else. More indulgence, more toys, more things that will not last forever. Be careful. Because what I found, the more I have, the greedier I get. Be careful. And I used to think when I was some of y'all's age, I got married when I was like 20 years old. We made like $6,000 our first year being married. We were like starved to death. I used to think if we could just make $10,000, life would be so easy, and we would be so generous, and we would help people, and we made $10,000, and we're like, man, if we could just make $20,000... Life would be so easy, and so we would be so generous, and we kept bumping that up because we kept having more and more stuff, and what I found is the more I had, the more those things had me. I heard a statement the other day that that has just gravitated in my heart. Life is not about the things that you control. It's about what controls you. And a lot of us are controlled by things and our want for things. And God gives generosity as this gift to us. And he says, open your hands, open your hearts, give away, and I'll bless you. But the enemy knows the blessing that comes through giving, and so he creates seeds of greed that take root in our heart the more that we have. Paul clarifies in verse 17, he says, I'm not seeking this gift. Look, God will take care of me. I'm not, I've already told you, I've learned to be content with whatever I've got, but I do seek profit that will increase to your account. There's a profit that comes to you. And the fourth point that I'd like for us to understand today from this passage is that God is pleased with the generous and he gives them treasure in heaven. God notices your sacrifice, and he puts it into your heavenly account. And Jesus said, this is better. In Matthew 6, 21, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure on earth fades away, but when we give generously for the kingdom, we have something special. Notice what Paul says next in verse 18 of chapter 4. 
He says, I've received everything. I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied. Paul says, I have everything you sent me. God's blessed me completely. Paul was happy. But not only that, notice what he says next. God is happy. He says it's an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. It's a fragrant offering. I I love this imagery of fragrant offering. We all have smells that take us to a good place, don't we? And this week, I can't wait to smell some of them. I can still smell grandma's biscuits. When I go into grandmother's house, she made these little bitty biscuits that were like a little bit too hard. But once you started eating them, they were like perfect. And I still remember the smell. Uh, we had those, those smells that we remember. I, I, I remember that, that, that new truck smell. <laughs> We, 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 we remember those, those, those moments where we smelled the popcorn at the ball game. And it takes us to places of times with dad or times with a friend or times with family. Your generosity is like one of those smells to God. It's a fragrant offering and it takes him to a good place. This child of mine's heart is being influenced for good. It's acceptable to him. It's a sacrifice pleasing to God. Now, what, we're, we're about to wrap up this morning, but what's that mean? What, what does it mean that a sacrifice is acceptable and pleasing to God? Can it mean that some sacrifices are not? Think about this just for a second. The Bible says that some people sacrifice in their terms, they give sparingly. What's the least I can do and help out? I can offer my truck and they'll never take it. What's the least I can do? Some people give grudgingly. I don't want to, but that preacher won't shut up, so if he'll just shut up, I'll give and we'll go. Some people give selfishly. They give to get. Uh, We're going to be doing a lot of renovation in the months and years to come. A lot of it. And I asked, uh, somebody asked me, not from our church, somebody asked me, are you going to let people give things in honor or in memory of? And I said, that's between them and the Lord, but if you mean am I going to allow people to put their name on anything, absolutely not. Because I've been in the church where the guy wanted to donate his $20,000, but it was for the stained glass windows, and if you don't give those thing, uh, put in my stained glass windows that we had no plans of putting in the church, you won't get my money. And I said, fine. God's bigger than your money. We don't own this church. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is God's church. When you give selfishly, you've really given nothing. But they gave an acceptable sacrifice freely out of their love for God, out of their desire to help for others, uh, help others. And then the final point I want to make today is simply this. God blesses the giver. Uh, God will meet all of the needs of his children so the sharer doesn't suffer because he shares. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Now, I want to pause here because you know, send a dollar, get ten, lie, Sow your seed, reap your abundance, heresy. 
We don't sow for selfish reasons. We sow for the gospel of Christ. We don't give for our glory. We give for the glory of our great God. That's why we give. But those, as I said last two weeks ago, religious smut peddlers have kept us from being able to preach the truth of the gospel, and that is you just can't outgive God. I mean, testimony after testimony. God might not give you what you had, but he'll give you something better. Might be might not be newer or bigger, but it'll be better. It might not be external, but it'll be better. You just can't outgive God. I mean, we've all heard those testimonies. We've all listened to those folks. You shouldn't give to get, but you just can't outgive God. God rewards the generous person. So what I want you to take home this week, let's get your notes for you. If you're a note taker and you missed some of the notes beforehand, text me or something, Facebook me, and I'll get them to you, okay? But we're not going to go back, but I will give you these. One, be generous for the kingdom. I don't know how to make it clear that the kingdom is worthy of our sacrifice. Two, look for opportunities to help instead of looking the other way. Three, please help our church be more generous. Hold our feet to the fire. We want to be more generous. But also sacrificially give so that we can continue to be more generous. And then four, I hope you realize that treasure in heaven does you no good if you're not there. At the end of the day, you can give and give and give and give to the church, but if you're not right with God because you put your faith in Jesus and not in your money, you'll miss heaven. Only faith in Christ reserves heaven for the individual. So I pray that you put your faith in him. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share today. I pray that you would help us to be generous for your kingdom's sake. God, I ask that you'll forgive us when we're not. And Lord, I pray you'll help us be more like Jesus. And it's in his name I pray.